0: When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan.
1: Well, I wandered alone through a desert of stone, and I dreamt of my future wife. My sword's in my hand, and I'm next in command in this version of death called life. My plate and my cup are right straight up. I took a rose from the hand of a child. When I kiss your lips, the honey drips, but I'm going to have to put you down for a while. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me to talk about Huck's tune, a song from the soundtrack to the 2007 film Lucky You is fellow Bobcat Amanda Musa. Hi, Amanda. Hi, hi,
2: nice to be here. I've been binging on past episodes for a while now, so it's (laughs)
1: great to be here. Thank you so much for for doing this. I'm very excited to be talking to you, especially about this song, Huck's Tune, which I feel, I'm so excited that you uh, had this on your list of ones you wanted to talk about, because I think this song, uh, if if you can say anything in the Bob Dylan canon is sort of underrated at this point, and I don't know whether Mm -hmm. you can, once somebody wins a Nobel Prize, are they... Are they underrated? Can, can anything they do be considered underrated? I think this is an underrated song, and we'll we'll talk about it uh, shortly. But um, since this is your first time on the show, I need to ask you the your origin story with the, with Bob. How'd you become a fan?
2: Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm pretty new at this. Um, it's, it's gonna be quite a convoluted story, so apologies <laughs> if I rambled. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty new, but when it got me, it sort of went went deep. Um, I mean, I guess I've always been sort of aware of him in the sort of cultural ether um i don't remember my parents playing him i think my mum did have nashville skyline i think but i don't Mm -hmm. really remember that it was a lot of sort of Beatles and carpenters and abba and that kind of thing when when (laughs) i was growing up um they did have a 60s compilation cd that i liked and i remember it had blowing in the wind on it um and i remember realizing i must have been about eight or something and i remember sort of realizing Oh, that, that means something, you know, it stuck out on a, a compilation that was a lot of sort of flower power stuff otherwise, that sort of thing. <laughs> and I remember, you know, being very young, but sort of thinking, okay, that's saying something, that means something. Um, but I suppose probably the first time I really kind of even knew his name very much was, I think I was mid-teens. Um, and it's a very sort of strange connection, but I remember listening to a Ricky Gervais interview. Um, and he said his favourite song of all time was If You See Her Say Hello.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I looked up the song and I absolutely couldn't stand it. I really couldn't stand <laughs> Like The voice was really grating. I remember. I mean, this is hilarious to me now, but um, I thought the lyrics weren't emotional enough because they weren't opening up enough. I thought it was completely overrated. And, you know, um, I mean, I'm amazed to kind of look back at that and think that that's how I felt. I think I was used to... I can't live without you type lyrics, you know, that, that sort of thing. And this was like much more restrained. I mean, now mm-hmm. that song absolutely kills me. I, I love it. And I think, you know, returning to it later with, with life experience, I love the fact that it's sort of, it's showing and not telling. It's sort of, it's not saying the feelings. It's saying the things you don't say if you had the feelings, that, that sort of thing. Um, so that implicit meaning, you know, is, is much more emotional to me now than if you just come out and said, I'm feeling this or that and that sort of thing but um and the the voice just sort of hits that that perfectly to me now but i think i needed that life experience to to feel that so at the time i I thought it was completely overrated and just kind of ignored ignored anything that came up around that just as a very long time it's a big big gap um whereas i suppose aware of the icon and the image you know i knew the you know the big hair and the sunglasses and the polka dots and that kind of thing but that was kind of my image for a long time and then i think really until the the pandemic actually so it's really recent um and that was an odd like convoluted way in as well um i was trying to kind of remember what's what started it off i think that i do a lot of writing a lot of sort of creative writing and things I listen to a lot of videos and podcasts and stuff about writing um and i came across one i think it was larry larry, is it larry charles the co-writer for master anonymous
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, and he was talking about the process of writing that with, with Bob. And there's this meeting where they, they have to pitch something and Bob kind of shuts down and stares out the window or something in this meeting. It, it just, it's just this kind of really strange sort of anecdote. Um, but there was something about that I kind of related to in some like weird way, but it's enough that it sent me into this YouTube funnel of Bob Dylan encounters, like weird surreal meetings with him and <laughs> um, i just found it so interesting that we you know he's often I, and this image i had of him was being sort of you know, arrogant and rude and that sort of thing and that was what a lot of them were talking about but when i was listening to it i, I was reading it as sort of shy and awkward and private really um, and i have no idea which interpretation is is him i mean it, it could be both I don't, I don't think it really mattered um but it was interesting to me that you know this is someone that Everyone knows and no one knows him. Um, and it just seems so unique, really. And, you know, most famous people, they're on Instagram or their Twitter and, you know, they're either trying to show you themselves or pretending to. So it's just really interesting to me, you know, what sort of person doesn't buy into that at all, you know? Um, so the fact that I was interested in that, I was sort of thinking, well, I better write some interesting things then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was YouTube or Spotify, but it was enough to just kind of, uh, you know, I think I just, I just typed in Bob Dylan or something. I can't, I can't remember, but then this, this kind of, all these albums come up and I just picked the album where he looked most like the kind of image I had of him in my head, which hilariously was uh, Empire Burlesque, (laughs) 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 which I know now is, you know, an unusual one to start with. I didn't start at the beginning. I started with uh, Dark Eyes, so that was like, okay, this is it's interesting. I like that one, and then the whole album, and then I was just very confused because um, it was like, oh, there's there's something here that's interesting, but I can't get at it. Um But then I expanded out to Oh Mercy, I think it was then, Um and then, yeah, that was during the pandemics. And I remember I'd gone out for a, a walk at dusk. And I was really stressed. It was kind of you know the working at home, homeschooling. You know, we can't really leave the house very often, um, time. And I listened to Oh Mercy on my iPhone and it kind of, you know, song by song, it really starts to land. And I think it was Man in the Long Back Coat and stuff started to kind of, okay, I, I like this. And then it got to Most of the Time. Um, and that was like a punch. That was like a physical punch. I haven't responded to a song like that before. Um, so that, that first time when it says Most of the Time, that, that just really got me and it's a sudden like undercut to everything that he just said um <laughs> you know that show don't tell thing again I think and you know you've got you suddenly realize okay this is you know it's an unreliable narrator but it's just it's it's that fact of I'm feeling this I'm not actually going to say this but it, you know it says so much by not saying it and the way he sings it as well that line um, so that, that really hit me. And then of course, straight after that, you have, you know, what good am I? Which again, the phrasing and that, that first time he says those words just kind of really hit as well. Um, and that was it really. Um, and then just to seal it, I think I went straight into time out of mind on the same walk, actually. Wow. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> a long walk. <laughs> it's a long walk. It's a very long walk. I was very stressed. Um, but it was also, it was one that I kept, um, making longer because I didn't want to stop listening um wow. so i kept kind of going around the same bit again so i don't want to I don't want to stop yet um i got to not dark yet which was another punch um and yeah that one especially i think in that context it, it's interesting to me when people talk about that one in terms of mortality It's just like reading up soon i kind of know the you know the background when you, you know doing this and and that kind of thing and how it's sort of seen in that way but for me um in the in that context of the pandemic. Um I didn't sort of read it that way at all. For me it was sort of about it was about hope really. Like it's not dark yet, but it's getting there. I Meaning, you know, hope's not gone yet, but it's getting there. That's that's how it landed for me in the middle of a, you know, pandemic. Um but yeah, I think it was like that that triple punch <laughs> um in the one walk sort of that was it and that kind of yeah, the clause were in then. Um I just kind of you know, stayed in after that really. Um, and when I, when I like something, I, I sort of go deep. So, you know, <laughs> and that was, <laughs> I caught it was like 18 months ago, two years ago, something like that. And I've, I've read a lot since then. Um, some biography, but I'm less interested in that. I like the books about, about the work, about, about right. the songs. Yeah. So I, I think I've probably been through most of the studio albums and the official bootlegs now. I think it's like, I've still got lots of bits to still dip a toe into. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a very convoluted story. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's
1: how it happened. That's amazing though. I know that I knew that Ricky Gervais was a fan. I've heard him yeah. reference Bob here and there. So it's not surprising that he would mention that on, on one of the shows. And I've, I've said in other episodes that, you know, Bob, Bob's work is such that it, a lot of times you hear maybe the first two or three times and it doesn't land. And then you kind of yeah. go and have life experiences. And then you somehow wind your way back to it. And you're like, this sounds, this sounds incredibly different than what it did the first time I heard it. It's, it's, it's the same song, but I'm different. Uh, yes, exactly. You know.
2: Yeah. I'm sure. I, mean, I think I've, I've, I might have even been on, on your show. I've heard someone say that, you know, there's always something you have to be ready for it. You know, and mm-hmm. there's different albums that you might be not be ready for yet. And then, but you know that whatever stage you get to there'll be something they're ready for you. That's right for that time in your life or that kind of level of experience. So that's definitely been, yeah, I think that yeah. was, uh, was for
1: me. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about the work. And it's funny. You mentioned the thing about him being shy. Uh, he has a line from the groom still waiting at the altar where he literally says they mistake your shyness for aloofness, your yeah. silence for snobbery. And uh, I'm you know, as much as you want to peg anything to be autobiographical, that always felt very auto- autobiographical to me. Uh yeah, I just think, definitely. I think for someone who is so in the public eye and I, who chooses to be in the public eye, you, he, you know, he, st- can you say anyone who stands on a stage a hundred times a year by choice is shy? It doesn't seem like it would be, but maybe on a personal level he is. And, you know, yeah, on a stage yeah. he's fine, but in a room with three people, he just shuts down and that's, you know, there are a lot of people like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know in my life, I know people like that who can get on a stage in front of an audience, and and you wouldn't have no clue that they're that they're shy, but in a different sort of, they have a different a different persona, um, and then in the rest of their life not at all. So yeah, I can I can easily believe that.
1: And you also could imagine, you know, try like being in a room. You're Bob Dylan and being in a room and you're like, you're pitching your movie to somebody. <laughs> That's a weird, yeah. you, know? <laughs> like, you know, hey, can you give us 11 million to shoot this thing? And I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to play. Uh, are you playing Bob Dylan? No, I'm playing another guy. And then there, this is going to yeah. be uh, post World War Three, maybe. And like, you can imagine the suits are just these blank stairs and you're trying to explain, you know, you can imagine what an awkward, uh, situation now i have to ask <laughs> did you finish all of time out of mind on the walk too because that's a long record
2: oh i think i think i, I think not dark yet was where i stopped okay. like, I, kind of, I was cold <laughs> and i had to go home um but then it's basically just a, an excuse uh, when i started up again i kind of just repeated that one and then and then finished
0: um I'm just, yeah i'm, I'm picturing highlands, you
1: I'm it, so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, uh, i'm picturing you trying to like you know all right let's wrap this walk up and then you get to highlands you're like how long is this how long is this going? Yeah. <laughs> going?
0: Exactly. I
2: think I have done a whole walk around the block just for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That'll do it, man. You get seven, yeah. seventeen whole minutes. A good
2: walking it's... song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Good. Good cardio for that one. So it
2: is.
1: Yeah. So okay. Now, have you had a chance to see him live since you? This is also sort of new to you.
2: I have. I've seen him twice. Wow. Um, yeah, which I know is very lucky um, for such a sort of recent convert. But, um, yeah, this last uh, European leg. So I saw him once in one of the Palladium shows in London. Um, and then Manchester last week. Um, wow. My daughter, that one. Um, yeah, so it was, it was when both of them made me cry. (laughs) Um, it it was very surreal. I think some of it was a blur. I think the first one was a bit of a blur, just sort of trying to take in the fact of being in the same room and that kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, it was, it was like a hundred times better than I'd set my expectations because I'd seen a lot of talk about him being very inconsistent live. And so I was sort of ready for that. But both times it was was wonderful. The the first time I was deliberately by myself because I thought I don't want to be worrying about someone else. You know, are they enjoying it? It's Mm. okay. I just, I don't want to be worrying about it. I just want to be absorbed in, in it in the moment. So that was by myself. And then, um, the second time, um, yeah, I took my daughter who's 10, um, wow. and she'd been kind of, cause she's, she's sort of, I think went on a little bit of this with me because I've been playing it. So she sort of heard it around and, um, she loves the gospel albums the most. So she got very really? excited. But, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something to do with the, um, and the, the voice is, is amazing at that, at that time. I think, um, like she loves that like, pressing on and that kind of thing that he has with the backing singers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm um so yeah she got very excited that he did serve somebody um at the show um but she she just thinks he's funny uh, when he came out from behind the piano she just said he went, went over to me said so he's really funny um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but she watched um no direction home with me as well when i had covid um and she just loved the bits where he was talking for some reason yeah just, yeah like,
0: that's that's my so favorite part was, too. Just,
2: yeah yeah it, it it being so normal talking. yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to see him talking. But yeah, so she loves that as well. So yeah, she came with me. I think she was the youngest person there. That's um, great. But yeah, she had a great time.
1: That's just I I love when I see small kids at these shows because yeah. I'm sure some of them are there under duress a little. There's probably a couple yeah. of parents that are like, "You're gonna <laughs> like this," but yeah. that's that's just great that she sort of, you know, yeah, you had it on in the background, but you weren't like. Sit down and watch this. And she sort of has come to it on her own. And then what an amazing experience for a ten year old to get to see this this and for you, after discovering him and going so deep, like again, it it really it if there's anything in the in my Bob Dylan fandom that I could get back that I would ask to get back, it would be that feeling of being in the room with them for the first time where you really are like yeah. there there he is. There he yes. is. The real guy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, like, like, I, I remember seeing, I can't remember, it was ages ago I saw it in an article or something, but someone describing it as um, like decades, you know, his face changing to different decades.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I managed to get, I was not that close, but close enough to kind of see that. So it's like, like you have a snippet of 60s and then you have a little, you know, ch- changes his, his stance a little bit and it's 70s. And, you know, I suddenly got what, what they meant by that. I think you have mm-hmm. to, you know, that doesn't come across on, on video so much, but in the room, I kind of got what I, they meant there.
1: But Have you ever seen the video for series of dreams? Yes. The where they yeah. do that, where they did, they use it, you know, it's, it's 1991. So the digital CGI, you know, CGI stuff is really in its infancy, but there is that sequence at the bar where they trans yeah, they, they de-age him in all these shots. And it really is very startling to see him go from, 90s bob to 80s bob to 70s bob to young you know you're like wow you know nowadays we see it all the time but in that i remember that really was very striking when i saw it it was just like wow look at that there's the guy and he's he's de-aging in front of my very eyes it was really quite yeah yeah and i know
2: exactly which bit you mean yeah i think it's it's almost like it's it's a sort of sort of that happens in front of you a little bit just like you know a smile or a you know, a glance here or there. It just, yeah, it's 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 strange. But yeah, I think I think half of it was a blur. Just kind of getting my head around that, really. Right. Um,
1: but yeah, that's awesome. That's great that you've seen him twice already. That's that's fantastic. You're really on your way.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, so I wasn't. I I, I kind of I didn't think i have managed to get tickets for for this, but yeah, I'm lucked out. Uh, yeah. Very
1: cool. Oh man, that's fantastic. So all right, well, that's that's all. That's terrific. So. Yeah, let's talk about Huck's tune. As I said at the top of the show, I was so excited when you put this on your list of songs you wanted to (laughs) talk about because, as I said, I think this is underrated. And not that it's really fair to compare them because they're two different songs. And, you know, uh, the only thing they have in common between the Huck's tune and Things Have Changed is that they were both done for Curtis Hansen films. Uh, yeah. You know he did he did things have changed for Wonder Boys and then he did uh, Huck's Tune for his 2007 film Lucky You. Now obviously things have changed was huge. They did the video for it. It won an Oscar. He performed it at the Oscars. It plays over the opening credits of that movie. I mean it was a big thing. And Huck's Tune, having been attached to a movie that did not do the kind of business both uh, critically and and box office wise to wonder boys i think this song is much more obviously kind of forgotten about at least in compared to that uh he does things of change in concert it's obviously a song that he is quite proud of and has performed a couple of hundred times already but i really love huck's tune i really love it and in some ways i like it more than i like things of change and we'll get into exactly why that is but why did you want to talk about this one
2: um, I think it's I, I agree with you. I think it's a very I, mean, I when I came across it on like Telltale Tell Signs I just thought sort of, I can't believe it's it's not kind of on a big studio album. It it seems kind of it is underrated. But I think the biggest reason of it's sort of I think it epitomises a lot of the things that I like about the latter day stuff. Um I mean as you say I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but I think there's there's that sort of element of you know, building this um the character of the narrator um i think just immediately like those words that you read um at the start you know you're immediately in there and you know you know this character and you have like this kind of his his attitude to the world is there straight away it's something i really like about so many of his songs how he can do that um but i think that's a a really good example of that one and just the phrasing and a lot of it um, there's like specific lines that um like I described with most of the time that 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 line just hits I think there's lots of lines like that um in this one and just that that kind of um I think it's similar to I guess it's just that era so like love and theft and modern times that sort of that the, the disconnected lines that sort of still somehow join up into this big picture that you can you can feel it even if you can't sort of walk through a story in a linear way. You can feel the story and you can feel what it's about. Um, and that just feels all very sort of characteristic of that, that era. And that's, that's my favorite era, actually, that kind of latter day. Um, see, I think that's the biggest reason. And I'm, I'm not a musician, so I don't, I don't know how to analyze music really, but the music here, I think it's just, it's just gorgeous. It's really calming and, and yet it kind of, it just brings out that character as well. It just seems to pair so well. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's it's one of my kind of go to songs really at the moment. Um, yeah, I can't believe it's not kind of more known than it, than it is really.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that, that it's on Telltale Signs, and uh, I'm I I bought it when I had heard that it was, you know, it was going to be on the soundtrack, and I think I probably got it on iTunes or bought it by itself or whatever. Uh, but I was so glad that they put it on Telltale Signs because it made me feel like that Bob or his camp like hadn't forgotten about it you know what i mean they were like mm. oh, wait, in case you hadn't heard it here's you know here's <laughs> yeah. from a movie most people have not heard of most people have not seen and in fact i did not i had not seen lucky you up until last weekend i, I finally oh, know really? when we decided to do this i was like you know what <laughs> i've never actually seen lucky you so let me go see yeah. it. have you seen the movie no i've
2: got, no i know that it's this but not- poker or chess or something like that it's about like poker. That. Yeah, it's I about I a poker about
1: tournament yeah yeah um it's 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 fine i'd say it's fine uh i don't i didn't find it to be particularly like wow that was an amazing uh, amazing movie um the performances eric banna and drew barrymore and robert duvall are in it and um it's kind of funny watching it you know watching it just recently um because i lived i've lived with the song for 13 years and i had one view of it and then I watched the movie, and the song is called Huck's Tune, and the main character is Huck, played by Eric mm. Bana. So that immediately is sort of like, well, okay, he's the song is either for Huck or it's from Huck's perspective. And once you see the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, it fits. This really could be a lament that Huck, the character, is thinking. Uh, by the mm. way, the song plays over the, the end credits. Um, so it fits there but I've always enjoyed it completely absent that context. Cause like I said, I hadn't seen the movie up until a couple of days ago. I always enjoyed it for what it was. I again, you know, most people haven't seen the movie. I I like Eric Bana as an actor. I've seen him in other things and I, I think he's, you know, pretty good. I the character in the movie is to me not as compelling uh as probably he needs to be. And so it's almost like in some mm-hmm. ways, the depth that Bob brings to this song is almost more than I can really buy the character in the movie would really feel in some ways, yeah. you know, yeah. it's almost like Bob's always his job too. Well, uh, yeah. in, in some ways, um, I do want to mention in the movie though, there were two other references to Dylan, uh, just dotted in the movie. There's, a, there's a scene where Eric Bana is talking to Drew Barrymore and she's getting into a cab and sitting on the top of the cab are those advertisements they have. And there's yeah. an advertisement for Bob Dylan at the Atlantis, uh, casino in concert. You see yeah. him there some okay there's a nice reference and then there's another scene where Banna goes into the main casino and he's going to talk to this guy who's going to give him some money played by uh, the great um, character actor Charles Martin Smith and playing in the uh, the muzak in the background is like a rolling stone and that's very funny to me because to me it's like no casino is going to play something yeah. as aggressive as like a rolling stone you yeah. don't want, that's not the music that's going to get people to gamble so that's clearly <laughs> Curtis Hansen dropping it in as a little nod to Bob. Uh yeah. That's hear, yeah. yeah. In, the, in the in the middle of all the poker chips clinking and the the slot machines here, how does it feel? And you're like, no. <laughs> that you know, so that was that was fun uh yeah. to see it. And you know, obviously Curtis Hansen, who passed away in twenty sixteen, and Bob had a good relationship. You know, they had a friendship, so he's probably doing this sort of as a favor to Curtis, but as you said, without you having seen the movie, it works completely on its own, and I could totally see this on Modern Times. I feel like you could slot that in there and it would fit quite well.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. It feels like it's very, very much. Is, is it just after Modern Times? Is that when it was, was that 2007? Modern
1: Times was 2006 and this was 2007, so it was right around yeah. the time, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, as you said, I think it does. it does fit that sound very much. It could easily be on there,
1: yeah. Yeah. The melody is beautiful. I mean, the melody is really beautiful. And I really love Bob's vocal performance. Uh He's almost kind of gone to like a whisper almost, but he also feels like he's leaning very heavily into the microphone and that the, the, the melody is kind of, the band is again, I don't know the music of it, but they feel like they're further down in the mix, like they're yeah. quieter and there's just something about the way he's leaning into it and, saying these words and it's to me it's really a great great vocal performance by him
2: yeah i agree i think it's it's one of my favorites probably i think it's it's one of those things oh who was it who said it i think paul simon who said that he was able to sound his vocals were were able to sort of have two meanings in them simultaneously and that's one here because i mean you've got the lyrics that do that i mean like that first verse you've got sort of this world weary kind of cynical um, you know this version of death called life is kind of you know there's there's the cynicism in there but then you also have this line about you know dreaming of my future wife which is really sort of quite tender and, and quite innocent in some way and you have that that's sort of you know um that contrast between those two things I think the vocal manages to to skirt that as well you have bits that are really sort of tender and, and warm and then you also have this for me anyways this sort of you know, it, it makes me think of this guy kind of trudging through dust or something like that, this sort of, you know, this this world weariness. But it manages to have both feelings in it at the same time, I think.
1: He manages, the line about, uh, I dreamt of my future wife. Um, do you feel like, in, in just in your head and your personal meaning to the song, like, is he, is the dreaming, is the future wife that he's dreaming of, is that the same person that he's talking to? Or is there, are he talking to two different people?
0: Mm.
2: I mean, I, I kind of, kind of, I've always read it as it's kind of who I want you to be, but you're not. Mm. Um I think because there's a the few bits lower down, um, you know, further down in the the lyrics where he sort of, like, you know, I, I tried, and it just you can't be nice. That bit, you know, sort <laughs> of it's just like you can't quite be that. Um I always kind of read it. I guess it's that ambiguity again. It's, it's sort of it is, but it isn't. That's how I always kind of read it.
1: I mean, yeah. Hands that the the rephrase always ends with "I'm going to have to put you down for a while." Now, again, if you yeah. watch, if if you watch the movie, you could suggest that Huck is talking about because in the movie, Huck and virtually everybody are they're 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 gambling holics. I mean, they they mm. they are characters that will gamble everything. Robert Duvall talks about that he you know gambled um, his wedding ring. To uh, he's Robert, Robert Duvall plays Eric Bana's father in the movie, and he gambled away his mother's, you know, his wedding ring to Eric Bana's mother. There are two other characters, one played by SNL vet Horatio Sands, and another guy that bet every, just bet on everything. I bet you can't mm. walk from here to there in ten in ten seconds. I bet you can't do this or that. So they're completely obsessed with the risk, the the reward, the thrill of it, and you could see why Bob would be interested. These these are the kind of like on the margins of society characters that Mm. Bob really enjoys. But and in that film, the romantic relationship between Eric Bana and Drew Barrymore, while it's central to the film, again, I didn't have a whole, it didn't have a lot of resonance to me. In a lot of ways, the relationship that the character in the song is talking about is much more powerful and it feels so much more intimate than anything seen in the movie. Again, I feel like Bob almost did his job a little too too well in this song. Because in the second verse, is every day we meet on any old street and you and your girlish prime, the short and the tall are coming to the ball. I go there all the time. Behind every tree there's something to see. The river is wider than a mile. I tried you twice. You can't be nice. I'm going to have to put you down in a, for a while. Now, I love that um, Bob manages to work in gambling references without there being it being super obvious because the river is from i mean the you know in here the river is just a river it's a physical physical thing but you're talking about in the world of gambling the river is a term for a cards that get put down so i love that Mm -hmm. bob was able to kind of work that in without it sounding super obvious you know it's not yeah there's there's no line where you're like oh it's clearly a gambling he's it in fact it I'm embarrassed to say it they took me a long while to realize, oh yeah, the river can be for a gambler. The river is the card that's going to decide your fate in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah, the river would be wider than a mile sometimes, but here it sounds incredibly natural.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that, um, just going back to that, that refrain that I'm going to have to be down for a while. Um, I just, I love that line so much. I just, you know, it, I think, it, I think every time it appears, it kind of, it comes as a bit of a, a jarring turn after the line before so you have mm-hmm. I remember what it so it's like um when I kiss your lips the honey drips and then it's that or um ah, I tried you twice and down. It, it's sort of it's it's like you're great is kind of the the thing before and then it, that always kind of follows it it's always like yeah but no um mm-hmm. and it it's just the fact that it's a, it's a it feels like a Well, I suppose it's a euphemism too. It feels like it's a way to say something that's hard to say and a bit brutal and you don't want to say it. So you sort of skirt around it. So (laughs) like put you down. Does that mean, um, well, in this context, is that, is that to do with, you know, giving up something, you know, thinking about gambling and that sort of thing? Or is it a person? Does it mean splitting up? Does it mean not seeing you anymore? Does it not doing, mean, does it mean not doing this again? Um, and then like, for a while, is it because you can't say, I can't quite make this an end. So I'm going to say a while just to kind of couch <laughs> it a bit because this is too hard to say. Um, but it's that, that line is just one that really kind of brings out the narrative for me because it's like, it's, it's trying to be sensible about this, but it doesn't want to actually come out and say it. So he's kind of doing this roundabout way of saying, it. I just, yeah, I just, I love that line so much.
1: The for a while part is to me reminiscent of what you mentioned earlier, but the most of the time, you know, where he's talking about he's making all these statements. And then it's I don't even think about her most of the time. You know, he's got that he's got that little wiggle room that he's putting in for where I'm over this dot 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 most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the problem. It's not it's not all. And so, yeah, here's this guy saying, I got to put you down. You're not nice. I got to put you down dot 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 for a while, and you're like, well, the guy's not yeah, totally exactly. learning, learning the lesson. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, But I think that's one of the only, it does that in so many, so many songs, it, but it's almost that sort of, almost conversational, it's like, it's how people talk, it's it's that sort of, um, yeah, like, it's what you say when you don't want to say the things, so and you kind of talk around it a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love
0: the way it does that.
1: Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Uh, so then he continues, here come the nurse with money in her purse. Here come the ladies and men. You push it all in and you have no chance to win. You play them on down to the end. I'm laying in the sand, getting a sunshine tan, moving along, riding in style. From my toes to my head, you knock me dead. I'm going to have to put you down for a while. Again, I love that there's this random character of the nurse who with money in her purse. So here comes this this woman, probably. I mean, how do you know someone's a nurse from just their visually. you see somebody another nurse well they're probably in a she's probably in a nurse's uniform that's how yeah. you would know somebody's in a nurse so she's coming right off of her shift as a nurse right to the casino with the money yeah. in her purse which is such a sad state of affairs she <laughs> doesn't even have to she's so desperate to gamble she doesn't even have time to change her change into you know regular clothes uh yeah. and so you've got this guy who is you know he's he's maybe kind of like a high roller. He's getting a sunshine tan. He's moving along, riding in style. And then he's looking at all these people, the ladies and men pushing it all in, even though they have no chance to win. Now a side bit, have you gambled at all? Amanda, is that something you uh do? not really, not really. Cause I have spent, I spent a little bit of time in Vegas when I was seeing someone who lived there and I was shocked. I guess I shouldn't have been, but uh the times I spent there, nobody does anything, but go to the casinos. That they have no really? social life. It was every night. It was just, Hey, let's go to the casinos. And I'm like, really? Is this what we, <laughs> this is all that we do is just give your yeah. money. Why don't you just have your bosses make the checks out to the casinos and save time? I mean, what, yeah. what, what, are, we, what are we doing here? So yeah, I, yeah, I like that this, this vision of this guy is a kind of high roller who is maybe not mocking these people, but he's looking at them as like, well, they've got no chance to win. You know, he's a regular and he's looking at them all kind of like, here comes the nurse with money in her purse. And yet, you know, this guy's just as much a captive to this as they are, but he feels like he's, you know, I'm getting a sunshine tan. I'm moving in style. He's a, he perceives himself as kind of this high roller. Uh, when you know, he's just as much a mark as these other people.
2: Yeah, exactly. As I, as I, as you say, I love those kind of characters that kind of wander in and out of these songs. Um, I always enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It just—it just actually occurred to me as you were reading it out. I think it's interesting because you do have these kind of like disparate lines, but then you've got this really kind of tight like internal rhyming scheme there. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, yeah. So I, I guess it kind of—you know—you have all these sort of these characters wandering in, in and out, and these lines rolling on top of each other. But then you've got this really kind of tight structure that still makes it feel like it all kind of fits together, which is is really nice.
1: Yeah, the lines are incredibly short. I mean, some of them are two mm-hmm. words, three words, and when you think about the, you know, a lot of Bob songs, "Visions of Johanna" or "Sad out Lady of the Lowlands," that are these incredibly circuitous, you know, <laughs> lines with a thousand yeah. syllables. And then here is, you know, one line is "I count the years and I shed no tears." I mean, it's it is that stripped down language that he kind of, I don't know, not introduced, but he really started to perfect with "Time Out of Mind," where it's everything. A lot of the the crazy loop-de-loops have been stripped down and it's very, very basic language. And it's still just as evocative and just as poetic, but it's just very different from what, you know, he's sort of known for.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's a really interesting kind of change in, in well, not, I suppose not a complete change in, in style, because I remember he was talking about, was it, um, John Wesley Harding and he sort of said, Oh, there's no wasted words here or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of something that was there and then kind of maybe disappeared for a while and then kind of came back there. But I think yeah, I think that kind of that ability to be concise, but the words are just so well chosen that they just you don't know, you don't need many words to say this. I mean some of the you know, some of the the, the amount of stuff, the amount of feeling that's contained in one line and some of this is you know you don't need more words than that to say it because they're so well chosen and a lot of the time i think it's it's to do with the phrasing as well for some of those that you know that that just puts in a whole extra you don't need more words when you say it like that you know
1: yeah (laughs) right yeah and (laughs) this feels this song feels like a conversation between two people a quiet conversation and you don't yeah um you know you don't necessarily need to have you know that kind of uh Incredibly long. I mean, maybe you can, maybe, but but it's it feels like it's just one person. Like he could, pee, I could see this song taking place at a diner in Vegas at you know four in the morning, and he's talking to this person, and he's you know making these love declarations, but also again with the but the four. I mean, f- funny, the longest line in any given verse is the. But I'm gonna have to put you down for a while. That's the longest yeah. line in any of them. <laughs> um The song he goes on, he says, "I count the years and I shed no tears." I'm blinded to what might have been. Again, talking about the dreaming of a future wife, and here he's blinded to what might have been. Nature's voice makes my heart rejoice. Play me the wild song of the wind. I found hopeless love in the room above where the sun and the weather were mild. You're as fine as wine. I ain't handing you no line. but I'm going to have to put you down for a while. And again, this is something that's come up in a bunch of, of Bob's uh, not just his love song sometimes he buries these lines in other songs but man when he wants to turn someone's head boy does he know how to do it you know mm-hmm. i mean you're as fine as wine i ain't handing you no line which is of course it's exactly what he's doing <laughs> yeah. fine as wine is a line is absolutely but the I, the underscoring of I, you, I i ain't handing you no line that's you know I, i'd be hard pressed for anybody to not feel a little flush if someone said that to you and made some eye contact and said it in a way that sounded really believable that would leave i think a lot of people like oh okay (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) i think that that verse as well he's he's always very good at capturing this sort of sense of pressing on as well like you know moving on carrying on keep going um i mean that stuff around you know the the the, uh I, i count the years I should note here that I'm just gonna kind of time goes by. I'm gonna get out there, outdoors, not think about this. Um, I think that, that, that I'm blinded to what might have been, I think is interesting because the blinded is kind of passive, as in it's without an actor. So I'm blinded, but he doesn't say what's the active thing that's blinded him. Is it, Mm -hmm. is it, yeah, I suppose maybe that's implied in the rest, like sort of, you know, getting out and about and, you know, um getting into nature maybe that's it but it's interesting you know is that coming from within or is that something else that's doing that um is it that person that's blinded yeah yeah i think that's 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 an interesting um ambiguity there um but definitely that sense of i'm I'm gonna press on and keep going i think that's a a theme you can see in so many different songs as well
1: what do you think about the i found hopeless love in the room above because I, I feel like um on the one hand I could see it being much more metaphorical. He's maybe talking about heaven or something else. But then a lot of the song does seem to be set in sort of a gambling town. And I found I found hopeless love in the room above, which if you want to be very literal, you could be like, he went and spent time with some person in the he's in a hotel. And he stayed with them and had a like a late night rendezvous with somebody in the room literally above him, and it was hopeless. Like it was, and he was yeah. like, he just kind of had this sort of uh, brief assignation, and that's only underscoring how much he misses the person that he's talking to.
2: Yeah, I always kind of, been, I always interpret it as um, it's something that happened in the process of moving on. It's sort of, you know, it's in in this kind of um, this run of lines where you've got that that kind of you know. I'm blind. I'm not thinking about this. I'm just going to carry on. Um, this thing happened, you know, while I was doing that. And then I'm just going to carry on. And, you know, it, I always kind of interpreted it it like that. But then listening to it again, like this week, that, um, sort of more spiritual aspect hit me as well. I thought, actually, could that be kind of, could that be a, a religious illusion or something like that? Is it kind of, um, is it talking about a, yeah, a hopeless, Connection to, to God or something like that, or is it, yeah, I think there's a few different ways to, to interpret it. So for, for me, it was always kind of, oh, this is a, you know, this is something that happened on the price in the process of, of moving on. Mm. Um, but again, I love that it could also be, it could also be an allusion to this relationship and something that happened before, um, with them. Um, I like the fact that it, it could be any of those things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's again, yeah, one song. <laughs> Tucked away on yeah. a soundtrack to a movie nobody saw. And he's got this much in there. You know, there's this much yeah. of like leaning into it. And I'm like, he? you know, could it be this? It could be that. Uh, and then so the final, not the final verse, but the, the penultimate verse is all the merry little elves can go hang themselves. My faith is as cold as can be. I'm stacked high to the roof and I'm not without proof. If you don't believe me, come see. You think I'm blue? I think so, too. In my words, you'll find no guile. The game's gotten old. The deck's gone cold. I'm going to have to put you down for a while. This is my favorite verse of the whole song. Uh, between the... I, 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 I act, the first time I heard this song, first time I ever heard it, I literally got like the chills when he says the line about, I'm stacked high to the roof and I'm not without proof. If you don't believe me, come see. Just mm-hmm. the, the, the inviting someone to lean in and sort of being like, you don't believe what I'm saying? lean in and come see i I just found that to be just incredibly powerful and sort of saying to someone maybe your audience maybe the person like i you don't think i've got the goods whatever the goods might be in this context if you don't believe me come see i just i just every time i hear that i just thought oh man that is wow it is really really powerful and then he follows it up with in my words you'll find no guile I love that too of like the idea of this sort of stripped down language and I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not trying to disguise my intentions. They're all right here. You'll find no guile uh, in my words. I just, again, I think that is, I think this is one of like his best verses. If you could, you know, compare these things like one of his most powerful verses in any song he's written in the 21st century. Yeah. Well,
2: it's funny. I completely agree. I think that's one of my favorite verses, but I think, uh, for me the line that, that gets me is is it's just the um uh you think I'm blue, I think so too. That's the one that really hits for me. Um I think just because it's so so understated and simple and it's like, yep, yeah, you're right. Um but I'm doing this anyway. Hmm. Um it's like that that one is the one that kind of really really hits me at all of us. But to be honest that whole verse does. I mean, I remember the um that first like the um Merry little elves can go hang themselves <laughs> line, I remember snorting <laughs> the first <laughs> time I heard it. Um, because again, it's this kind of the imagery of this, you know, um, this happy little innocent elf just being, you know, being violently put to an end. Um, <laughs> <if> it's, <laughs> again, it's that kind of juxtaposition through the whole song, but I, I agree. I think this verse, all of it, it's, it's, um, yeah, it just hangs together so well. It just kind of, it, I think each line is really kind of builds on, on the next one. Um yeah, probably more than, than the earlier verses, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that, that you think I'm blue, I think so too. I think some of it is how he says it as well.
1: Oh, um, that, like marvelous. The last, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Absolutely marvelous vocal performance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Now do in, in, in your part of the, in your neck of the woods, is the phrase go, go hang themselves. Is that not a, a, a phrase is that not something that is a colloquialism that you're familiar with
2: it is it wouldn't be a common one okay. but it is um i think it's just in in this context it kind of um uh it, you could say oh this thing can go hang, hang yourself you know that that kind of right. thing but I think when you've got merry little elves in front of it it puts it puts quite an image in my head
1: the reason <laughs> the reason I ask is because, uh, and this is related to, he actually has performed this song live um, only seven times from uh, April through June of 2014 of all times. Again, seven years after the movie had yeah. come and gone. But he actually changes that line. You can find some oh, really? versions of it on YouTube. It. Yeah, he changes it to all the Merry Little Elves. I've, I wish I could remember what it was, but it's like, it's it's less... It's it's less inherently kind of violent. The hanging themselves—it's mm-hmm. like all the merry little elves can forget themselves or something yeah. like that. He softens it, and because in in you know old go hang themselves is an old timey phrase. It has a very violent kind of sound to it, but it's really meant to be just kind of like oh go f off kind of thing, yeah. it's, it, you know. But I thought that it was interesting that of all the lines that he changes for the live version, that's the one line that he changed. He, he softened yes. that up a little bit.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think well, there's the ones in, in Japan and Tokyo.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: Something like that. I heard one, uh, one, uh, version on YouTube for that, which again, I think the delivery there is, is, um, slightly different, slightly, slightly softer, I think, mm-hmm. um, in places anyway. But, um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's, that little bit of that line. Yeah,
1: It's funny to hear the audience, Cause it takes them like a full verse before they understand what they're hearing. Yeah. Cause they're just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what song is this? And then he finally gets to, I think the, the, the you know, I'm going to have to put you down for a while. People like, Oh yeah. yeah. And then there's a clapping. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. I know what it is finally. Uh And then he finally, yeah. he repeats the, the, the final couple which says, the game's gotten old. Deck's gone cold. I'm going to have to put you down for a while. And again, I love the way he's, he really spits kind of in the nicest way possible. The game's gotten old. And the deck scum yeah. He does it like in that theme time radio hour uh, philosoph- yeah. philosophy of modern song voice where he's really enunci- almost over enunciating every syllable. And it really it re- and then the song just kind of fades at this quiet. And it's a really just an absolutely remarkable song. You know, it's <laughs> just for a thing yeah. to bury, buried on a soundtrack. It's just really, really terrific. Yeah, I agree. I
2: think it's it's as I said, it's it's become my go to for the moment. Um I, I probably you know have different phases of that, but it's I can't believe it's it's sort of buried away somewhere. It's um, yeah, it's beautiful, I
1: think. It? And it, it it works for me in a lot of ways. And like it's there's things in my life that are I want to go back to. Whether it be it's not necessarily a person, but it could be a thing that you want to you keep hoping this thing will work. And you go back to it every so often and it still doesn't work. And you're like, yeah. all right. It's and, and then, and you tell yourself never again. And then maybe, you know, a year later, you try again and it's still not working. <laughs> you know? like yeah. The deck's gone cold. The deck is cold. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And it is, it's that kind of that mixed feel. I think, I know I've been saying like ambiguity and juxtaposition a lot, but I think it's, it's that is like the feels like the theme. It kind of runs through the whole thing for me. It's just that kind of, you know, that 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 situation and the mixed feelings that you kind of have. Then Um, I think it just, yeah, it's it's, it sums it up so much without ever actually saying that.
1: I've I've always been interested about how someone writes a song for a soundtrack. Uh, You know, when you're someone like Bob, who is kind of so arriving at it in such a organic artistic way like how do you where do you get started do you watch the movie do you read the script do you does he sit there and say alright I'm going to write a song from Huck's point of view or do or, or do you start it organically I mean it's one thing I would guess to write like a James Bond theme because you know you got to hit certain elements like I got to talk about death I got to talk about you know it's got to sound a little sexy it's got to be bombastic but for something like this I always wonder like how does he where does he, where do you even begin you know how do you is it Is there something in his mind that he wants to talk about? And then it's like, oh, that fits in with the themes of the movie. I, you know, I'm always, you know, it's, it's one thing to to generate a song in the context of an album, but it's another thing to say, I'm going to do this one-off thing and it's going to just exist in its own little context here as part of the soundtrack and on the film. But that's it. It's not going to live anywhere else. I mean, bootleg series, notwithstanding, it's going to just be its own thing. And uh, I I was fascinated how he sits down and and does it. Like, did was it part of another session? Was it its own thing? Again, we never hear about any of this kind of stuff. Uh, And he's done lots of soundtrack songs, obviously. Did the you know knocking on heaven's door and things like that? Things have changed and banded the hand and all sorts of songs. But I I just I would love to know the background of like, what is he? How do you get started? You know, how does he do it? Does he just think about it? I don't know.
2: Yeah, exactly. I wonder if it's a case of. You know the ones he says yes to are the ones that he can, you know, relate to mm. a character in it or something like that. But I think you would, I, know, I think you would have to um, at least relate to the feelings, if not, you know, um, something to do with the situation or something to do with that character. Um, so maybe it's kind of, you know, I, I'll say yes if I can see something that I can not necessarily have experience, but that I can get into the head of in some way. Um, I wonder if it's. If it's that, but yeah, as you say, it's like, it's one thing to write in a character. I mean, there's, there's so many songs that seem to be written in a character, not necessarily him. Um, yeah. but it's one thing to do that when the character is kind of, you're generating it. Um, it's not you, but it's, it's someone that you're, you know, creating and, and making up. But yeah, I wonder how you do it when it's, when it's not, if it's, if it's sort of a, a reverse of that process. So it's sort of, yeah, do you find, Find the personal situation or the thing that you can most you know, connect to in some way. I think it must be something like that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's a really interesting process.
1: Yeah, I said I would lo- love to know. I mean, if anything out of that movie, I'm a little surprised that he doesn't write it from the Robert Duvall character's point of view because that's an older guy and he's seen a lot. And Duvall's character even has a line at one point about that the the gam- the the um, you know the sort of poker tournaments. Um, schlep big players like him around because it's all razzmatazz now it's not meant to be about the playing and i'm like that seems like a very bob-like sentiment yeah so i could sort of yeah. imagine that robert duvall and bob dylan seem like very kind of they're both similar ages and they you know they, they seem like kind of similar temperaments in terms of their how they manage their careers and how they've been their public personas but no he writes it from from the main character's point of view and so yeah uh you know it, it's he's really great at soundtrack songs. I mean, Bob's great at a lot of things, but soundtrack songs, he's, he's really quite good at, and it would be, you know, they're never going to do a bootleg series of this, but like, there'd be no reason to, but I would, maybe there's like a Spotify list or something of like just his soundtrack songs. That would be fun to listen to that of like what that sounds like of just songs written for just soundtrack. He wrote something for easy rider that never got finished and Roger McGuinn finished it for him and stuff like that. I mean, he's been commissioned to do that for his whole career uh, and like I said, this is one of my favorites, and I find that I listen to this way more than I listen to "Things Have Changed." I think as as, as great as that song is, I feel like it's kind of sour, and it's yeah. it's a it's a particular mood that you need to be in. But this to me is much more just rewarding and kind of it's just comforting in its own. Despite the sort of grim subject matter, it's comforting in its own way, and so I I always feel like a, a champion for this. Because it is kind of in the shadow of this other song that he did for the other Curtis Hansen movie that people are way more, you know, much more familiar with.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think I, I probably do. I I, I love things that change as well. I, I do listen to that a lot, but I think this one probably does edge that one out. Um, I think it's, I mean, there's, there's something in common like between those characters in terms of sort of being a bit kind of, you know, um, Maybe slightly worn down by life or, you know, hmm. a little bit, a little bit world weary. But then mm-hmm. this one just has that kind of, that, that, yeah, that, that tenderness underneath it. And I, I can't pin down how much of that is the words and how much of that is, you know, how he, how he says it. Um, and also just that the music is, is that much more kind of gentle as well. I think that, that kind of pulls it into that direction as well. But yeah, I, I think they're both completely different moods
0: um (laughs) very much so (laughs) but yeah
2: it's it's kind of like if you want to be in this, this kind of dark place sort of witty but dark place then things will change is the one um but this one is the kind of the the soothing bit underneath when it's like yeah it's it's you want a little bit of a little bit of warmth there as well yeah, I love this one. My daughter's a big fan of this one as well, actually. Oh, that's great. <laughs> she she'll kind of, she'll do, she likes some kind of bouncy ones and dancing around ones, and then she's like, Can you play something relaxing? And I just, it just starts to get tired. And this is one of the first ones that I do then. She'll kind of just sit and, and chill for this one.
1: That's great. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is it is kind of like a nighty night song in a in a yeah. nice way. It is good. The way it's kind of very slow, fades out. It is kind of like, all right. Yeah, time to go to bed. Nobody's going to listen to Things Have Change going to bed. Like, that's, no. that's not going to work. No,
2: that's not much of a lullaby, really. No. Yeah. Not <laughs> if you want good dreams, anyway.
1: No. no, certainly. Yeah, and this, I said, this song plays <laughs> over the end credits of Lucky You. So it's it's literally the last thing you hear as the uh it, it, the entire, it takes up the entire length of the credits. So it's the, 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 literally the last thing you hear in the entire movie is this is the end of Bob singing. So again, it's uh, the placement of it is the polar opposite of what it was for um for things have changed in Wonderboy, So, well, Amanda, I mean, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad that you, you had this on your list. Some people have mentioned it before and we haven't got a chance to do it, but it doesn't come up a lot. And I, again, I just think this is like one of my like real personal favorites. I'm so glad to finally had a chance to talk about it. So thank you so much for doing this.
2: No, thanks for having me. It's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Thank
1: you. All right. So uh before we go, I have to ask you uh the standard exit question. If there's any, Bob recording session you would love to sit in on? Anything. Again, it could be an album, it could be woolberries it could be Theme Time Radio Hour, it could be the Philosophy of Modern Song audiobook, which just came out. What what would you love to sit in on?
2: I think all oh, that last one's given me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting, but I think probably it would be rough and ready ways. Just because I think like so many other recording sessions we have you know, uh um, when there's books about some of them, there's you know, lots of, of information and, and anecdotes and stuff around it and lots of outtakes and, and kind of stuff and you can kind of piece things together. But the Rough and ready ways I think is it's it's one of my favourite albums actually. And I think it's it's really interesting but it's a it's a it feels like a different direction again and a different sound. And I think it would be really interesting to Watch how that came together and how that was sort of pieced pieced together, or you know if that was yeah what the process of that was because I really don't know much about those sessions in comparison
1: to the ones. No, no, not a lot has leaked out. I'm guessing someday we'll get the rough and rowdy ways the bootleg series or something, and that'll be fascinating to hear the alternate takes and maybe there's other songs. Who knows? You never know with the stuff. But yeah, they've uh, despite the fact that a lot of the people that worked on that record have talked. Uh, that's you're just not. Yeah, I have not heard a lot of information. So, yeah, that's an absolutely marvelous answer. So, uh, before you, before we sign off, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet?
2: Um, it's really just Twitter. So that's um at Amanda Musa. Um, I'm not a, a regular uh tweeter exactly, but um I do go on there from time to time. It's usually it's a mixture of Bob Dylan and writing. Really, is the main theme. Um, the occasional. A uh, frustrated rant about a hyperactive
0: child, but mostly <laughs>
1: mostly it's that. Yeah. All right. Well as I said you, we know you can soothe her by putting the song on and, and putting her to bed after that. So uh <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob. So of course uh for this show you can find all the uh, back episodes on our website, findwaterpodcast.com dot com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And if you want to support uh Pod Dylan, please go to patreon.com slash FW podcast and there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hussle, George Jordy, Rocky Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein for their support of Poddell. And I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you later. Bye.
0: I heard about the missed deal. Boy, talk about a bad beat. Huh? Okay, so you put up the 10. You split anything I win 50-50. 70-30. What happened to 6040? Went away. Your tens went down to a set of eights. Okay, sixty-five thirty-five. Fine, seventy thirty.